0: Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with evangelist John Tahaji. He spoke a word entitled, A Holy Message. Enjoy the word. I got here a little early, but we'll make it work. You guys please be seated. Man, I just love this house. I am so proud to be a part of this church. I am so proud to be a son in this house. My goodness, and my prayer lately is that, is that is that I make this church proud. I make my pastors proud that I represent this church uh, proudly. And uh, this moment right here, and, this, and listen, anybody can step on a stage. You're automatically given influence. And so I stand up here just truly humbled that our pastors would release me to share with their congregation that they love that they pastor that they steward so i honor our pastors i love you guys thank you this means the world to me church i love you um and so before i get started uh i wrestled with this word and just a disclaimer i wrestled with it and i asked the lord why this word and uh and it was it was really rough and and i'll tell you i'm standing there worshiping and the lord revealed to me this is why so i have complete confidence that that we're going to be blessed tonight, and uh, I'm just really excited. I'm going to pray. real fast. If you could just stick with me after, Father, I thank you, Lord. Lord, I am your humble servant, and I want nothing more, God, than for you to move and to touch your people. I pray, God, that the the seed would fall on good soil. I pray that you would water it. Lord, will you use me, Father, as your mouthpiece? Will you deliver these words from my mouth into the hearts of your people? I thank you, God, for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray amen i'm going to read out of matthew chapter 16 we're going to start in verse 13 jesus began a very important conversation by asking this question what he did what he he gathered his disciples they were standing they were standing at what would be a cliff it was like a, uh, almost like a mountain which we know as caesarea philippi this area would be known if i could best describe it as almost like the red light district of that region it was it was it was foul. It was very pagan. Uh, sacrifices were made there, it was, and we'll get into that later. But Jesus gathers his disciples as there's a big crowd around him, and he asks his disciples this. He says, "Who do the crowds say that I am?" It's important to note this. Not only have the disciples seen this, but but some of the crowds had seen Jesus do amazing miracles. I am talking about miracles that don't maybe even require faith to believe that whoever this man says he is, whoever he represents, surely surely he is who he says he is. Surely the God he represents is the God of all gods. Some of the miracles that they had seen include the raising of a widow's son at Nain. Now this this child was dead. He was being picked up on a cart out of his house to what would be his funeral, his burial. And Jesus sees him and he touches him. He says, he says, rise, get up. There was the calming of the storm that the disciples had faced, right? Jesus calmed the storm. There was a casting out of many demons from one man. For We are legion. We are many. And nobody can deal with this dude. He was outcasted in the city. He, w- he would be in a cave cutting himself with stones. Nobody can deal with him. And Jesus delivered this man. Then there was a feeding of 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. That is a lot of power. Again, I mentioned, it almost doesn't require any faith to believe. There is no room for skepticism that that is God, right? And I'm not going to belittle any ministry. I believe that God moves today. How many people believe that God's miracle working power still works today? And something I'm going to say right now doesn't imply that God's not moving. It just implies that there's a little skepticism, right? So these miracles, undeniable power. And the miracles that we see, you know, somebody sitting down, one leg is shorter than the other because their hips are unaligned. Who knows? I don't know. They can get healed. Their legs are straightened. To some people that don't have that much faith, maybe that's a little skeptic to them. You know, no big deal. We understand that. I'm trying to explain and express to you what they had seen was undeniably a move of God the disciples knew this he was more than a prophet he was absolutely absolutely unique in fact he was God in the flesh so in response the disciples begin to relay the various things that they had heard from the crowd who do you who do the crowd say that I am so they go on to say in verse 14 they go on to say some say John the Baptist some say Elijah some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets This points to the fact, listen, this points to the fact that the crowds had viewed Jesus as somebody important. They also believed that he was something great, like a prophet. They didn't know exactly what, but they knew that he was great. However, the crowd's guesses were all wrong. Listen, this goes to show that the world can have the right opinion about Jesus while having the wrong understanding of Jesus. And there are people in this church, there are people sitting at home calling themselves Christians, calling themselves believers. They they don't stand on the right side and they say, well, you know what? Okay, I have the right opinion about him, but they still have the wrong understanding of him. And this is an issue. So now what Jesus does is he directs the question to the disciples themselves. Okay, I've heard what the crowds say about me, but who do you say that I am? Your disciples of me, you follow me. Who is it that the people that claim to be Christians, who is it that the people claim to be disciples, say that I am? Are you gonna f- listen to the world? Is there maybe some conventional wisdom they, that they offer you? No, 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 like you spent time with me. Who do you say that I am? Because more importantly than what the world says, it's important who we say we, he is because we're the followers, we're his foundation right where his mouthpieces so listen one man with the confidence and boldness he stands up and he says this in verse 16 it says peter then speaks up simon peter answered you are the messiah the son of the living god in response to peter's declaration he goes on jesus will then go on to to express the blessedness of peter's faith because of his answer And listen in verse 17 it says this Jesus replied blessed are you Simon son of Jonah for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood but by my father in heaven and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church this is something that we can easily miss this is powerful I love it listen Jesus asked the disciples well who do you say that I am Jesus goes on to then say you are Jesus, you are Christ you are Messiah, you are the anointed one you surely are the son of the living God as Peter acknowledged the identity of Jesus he then received his identity from Christ for Peter in the word Greek means rock the more we understand who Jesus is the more we will understand who we are Our identity is found in Him. Our identity is found in Him and Him alone. It's not found in the world. It's not found in your works. It's not found in your accomplishments. It's not found in your children or your parenting. It's not found in your sexual preference or your political parties. Your identity is found in God and God alone. And today, we have an attack on our identity. Not just the church not just your children not just in this nation there is an attack on our identity because we, have, we live in a world that has it backwards because I'm wired like this because I was born this way because these are my preferences because this is the way that I was just this is what I like then somehow God must be like this And it's distorted and people believe this. But our identity is found in Him him alone. We don't find God in our identity. We find our identity in God. So, I love this. This is powerful. Listen. So, if He is Savior, I am what? I am saved. I am redeemed. If He is Shepherd, I am His sheep. I am his follower and if he is Lord, then I am his humble servant. Somebody here needs to hear this tonight. Receive this. If he is father, you are his child, we are his sons, we are his daughters. And the American church today is in an identity crisis. Nine months ago, we did, a, we did a sermon series on questions that Jesus asked. Our church did it. That was the name of the series. Questions that Jesus asked. And I don't remember most of the notes. I don't remember most of the speaking. This is one thing that God had revealed to me in that month. I remember God telling me, when I ask a question, I don't, seek, I don't merely seek an answer with your words. I demand a response with your life. And that was something that really truly moved In my heart, and and this is kind of where this scripture is coming from, on who do you say that I am? And the issue with the American church today, and the identity crisis that we're facing, the issue with the American church is not the sinner. It is not the atheist. It is not the unbeliever. It's not even government. The issue with the American church is this thing right here. It's this person standing right here. It's the platform. It's the lights. It's the influence. It's the people listening. The weak link in the chain of God's command is the pulpit. The issue is men and women who show no patience for God's word, who aren't careful, who lack judgment and honor for this sacred desk. Sacred desk. So things probably 20 bucks at Hobby Lobby. It's not the piece of wood. It's not the glass. It's not the $20. It's not the $2,000. It's the sacred desk on the man speaking to God's children. The weakness. Is the pulpit and there's anemic, immature Christians that are being bred from the pulpit with doctrines of lies, doctrines of demons, heresy, pseudo-Christianity that is breeding hypocrisy, lies from the pulpit because we're afraid of telling people the truth. Afraid of the absolute inevitable that where there is preaching of the gospel persecution will come Hatred will come and evil will follow and now because of the great number of teachers that preach to people What they want to hear with their itching ears We now have a great number of followers who believe that their feelings supersede God's Word The diminishing of God's presence and spirit-filled churches the diminishing of discernment and lack of wisdom lack of honor is coming from the pulpit In 1 Peter chapter 4 Peter is talking to a persecuted church he goes on to tell them that God's house will be judged first To some people that's going to be a first-class ticket to paradise to others, that's going to be a one-way ticket to hell. Secondly, in James chapter 3 verse 1, he says this. We who teach will be judged more strictly. So we have the teachers, the preachers, the men of God that step on this stage, that preach, that preach whatever they're preaching. They're going to be judged more harshly. And then we have a church that is going to be judged first before the world. So... In our main text today, what do we have? We have a preacher. We have a prophet. And we're going to read, and I've read this before, but we're gonna, I'm going to share a little differently. It's exciting. In Isaiah chapter 6, one of the most popular chapters in the Old Testament. We're going to read it. Here we go. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim with each wing, with, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. Verse 5, this is Isaiah. He says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. It was at this moment that a man was exposed to God's holiness. He's seen God, and he says, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. The lips represent the issues of the heart. For I live amongst a people with unclean lips, a people like America. Lost, unclean lips, perverted and evil. Verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my, my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying... Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. Verse 8. Who can I send? Who can I trust with a holy message? Who will go for my name's sake? Who will go for all of heaven? Who will establish my kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? Is there anyone that will carry the truth? Is there anyone that will stand for me? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. That's pretty cool, right? As a kid, as a child, teenage, teenage years, adulthood, the conferences, the guest speakers, I've heard plenty of messages on this. It's powerful. It encouraged me. It's a great thing. And I love it. How many people here have heard great messages from this chapter alone? And here I stand encouraged today because as a kid, all I wanted was was to be used by God. And here I am presented with the opportunity that God has entrusted me with. And I remember, I remember the prophets and the people, they would speak into my life. And they would tell me, God has a plan for you. God is going to use you. And how many here people hear that, right? God has a plan for your life. God wants to use you. And the moment we hear that, we start having what? We start having dreams of the platform. We start having dreams of grandeur. We start having dreams of the lights and, and, and everything. And we start having these dreams of grandeur. And we start thinking of glory, glory. And God is calling us to something less glorious in our eyes. To be right where you are. And to preach his holy message. So, Isaiah seen God. And he says, who can I send? He says, here I am, send me. Now, what the, to me, the first question that I ask is, okay, God, what was your message? What was your message to the people? Verse 9. Let's read it. It goes on to say, God says this, go and tell this people, pause. When I read my Bible... I know God has a way of talking with affinity when he addresses his people. In Isaiah chapter 5, the verse before, he was just calling these people my people. But now God is fed up with the sins of his people. You keep calling my name. You keep crying out to me. You keep offering me lip service. No, 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 no. But you keep blaspheming, blaspheming me as well. So no longer are you going to be my people. Oh, now you go and tell this people. So here we have Isaiah. God revealed his holiness to this man. He touched his lips with the coal of fire from his own altar. What do you think his message was? Blessing and prosperity? Ease and comfort? Just come to church, kick up your feet, everything's going to be alright. Your husband is on the way, your wife is on the way. Give to this ministry and you're going to be financially stable for the rest of the year. Join a ministry, serve, serve, serve while you're neglecting your family and you'll be saved. Do you think this is a message to a people? No, 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 no. Let's continue to read God's message for Isaiah to the people. It says this, be ever hearing, but not understanding. Be ever seeing, but not perceiving. This message was to Judah, a prosperous nation, a, a nation just like America. Set up good, prosperous, riches, everything is good. Be ever hearing and not understanding. Be ever seeing but not perceiving. That's a tough message. Like, hearing is synonymous for doing. This church is always busy. Judah is always busy. The church in America is always busy. We're so busy, 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 but we're not fruitful. Where is the fruit in some of these churches? And I refuse to acknowledge numbers as fruit nowadays. Because I know, excuse my language, but some bison in Miami that claims to be Jesus and his church is full with thousands of people. I know ministers online with some crazy deliverance ministries and people follow them because they say everything in Jesus' name. You're always doing something. But where is the fruit? Everyone has a conference. Everyone's writing a book. Everyone's got a sermon on YouTube, on Facebook. We're so busy, but where is the fruit? And now we have people doing ministry with absolutely no revelation. But because we lack discernment, we listen to them. And we think, listen, we think, oh, just because somebody can move a crowd, that God's hand is on them. We think that somebody can write a book, God's hand is on them. Any fool with the gift can gather a crowd, but it doesn't mean that they are anointed. It takes a consecrated man or God, man or woman of God to have the anointing. Always hearing, always doing. Every time I get on social media, every time I get on social media, some fool is on Instagram live, some fool is on Facebook live, sharing what God told them, sharing what is happening in current world events. As a voice of God, social media has given a platform for fools. And what do we do? We like, we subscribe, we comment. Because we have no discernment at all. If I'm, pre- if I'm listening to preachers who never challenge me, have their hearts truly been burned by the coal of God's fire? Will a holy God keep quiet about a sinful nation? Will a holy, righteous, jealous God keep quiet about the sins of our generation? God uses men and women to communicate his holy message. But what do we hear? We preach love to an extreme, we preach grace to an extreme. These are all great things because we believe that God is loving. We believe that he's gracious and is merciful. I fall into every single category that God offers. But we preach this to an extreme that we forget that God is holy, that God is righteous. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 10, it continues. He says, make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes Hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. You want me to preach this truth to them? This is confusing. Like, it's, like, honestly, it's almost like a theological issue for me. God, you want me to preach this message to make the heart of the people callous so they won't be healed? Does God not want everyone to be healed? So let's, let's see what's happening one we have a preacher a prophet of god who has seen god's holiness and now this leaves the man of god who has been exposed and hurled himself into god's service he is now left with a decision if i preach to them the god that i saw if i start telling people what is right they will reject me they might stop coming to my church They might even shut off my live stream. If I preach this, my popularity will decrease. I'm not going to get all the clout in the world. If I preach this and I continue to preach this with the way that America is going, I might be locked up in jail for hate speech. This is the message that you want me to tell the people. So now he has a decision to make. If I preach to the God that I saw and tell them that What they're doing isn't right, that what they're doing is wrong, that God is holy, that he has a standard. They're going to push me away. They're going to reject me. They're going to call me weird. They're going to call me holy roller. They're going to outcast me as a religious fool. They're going to say I'm legalistic. Do I tell them the truth? Because the compromise would be this. Maybe I bend the truth a little. Maybe I should win them over with my influence first. Maybe I should win them over with my personality. And this is this is where we are now. Maybe I should show them how cool my church is first. Maybe I should let the church do all of the work. But this is what the scriptures imply. Listen here. If Isaiah did all of these things, if you do all of these things, Isaiah... They, The people will receive a false healing born out of a form of godliness and not true repentance. There are so many people in this room. There are so many people in churches all across America, even watching online. So many people dealing with brokenness that will never be healed unless they are hurt first. Meaning that the only way to truly be healed is to be truly hurt. And the only thing that brings real healing is God's truth broken and wounded, repeating cycles because the preacher won't tell them the truth. And we must be hurt with God's truth in order to be healed. And we need to confront areas that we keep what? Sweeping under the rug. So Isaiah isn't a problem. Isaiah has this issue now. How do I know that Isaiah has this issue? I'm going to assume it's an issue because I deal with it too. Isaiah in verse 11, he says, the very first thing that he says, after God gives him his instruction on what to do, after he's seen God's holiness, he says, For how long, Lord? How long do you want me to stand for truth? How long do you want me to stand for your holy message? They're already attacking me. They're already outcasting me. I'm already being gossiped about. I'm already being slandered within my own family. What with it? Well, like, how long, Lord? How long do you want me to preach this repentance and preach your truth? And God God answered, Isaiah, all of you who claim to be my mouthpieces, all of those who desire to be used for my name's sake, for my purposes. Verse 11. And God answers, he says, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. He says, until I bring judgment on those who reject that truth, until I bring judgment to those that reject the preaching that you are going to go forth and preach, till I visit those who reject me. Whether they like you or not, this is the message for a people of unclean lips until I come to bring an end of those who make a mockery of my name. Verse 13. And though a tenth remains in the land, Again, it will be laid waste. But as a terrapin and oak leaf stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. What does that mean? He says. He says. Listen, you keep preaching the truth until I knock over. All of those that make a mockery of my name. And the only thing left that will be standing is a remnant of people that understood his holy message. A people that said, I will not back down to a world that is going to persecute me. What will be left is a people that understood that God is holy, that God is righteous. Yes, he loves you and he has all the world in his heart for you. But he has a standard. Keep standing for truth until I chop down all of those that make a mockery of my name that big ministry that mocks me I'm going to chop it down those preachers that mock me I'm going to knock them down those worship leaders that mock me they will get chopped down you keep preaching truth until I chop down everything that makes a mockery of my name and the only thing Isaiah that is left is a remnant of people that stood for his purpose, that understood that he is holy and that he has called them for his glory and not our own. So I ask you tonight, what group do you want to be in? The group that God comes for in the end or the remnant that stood for his name? It's your choice. preaching all across America and listen I have the utmost confidence when I preach this word because I know that I know that I know that you appreciate this biblically sound preaching of the gospel of a church so why do I care so much why am I preaching to a people that have the best pastors that preach biblically sound doctrine with discernment clarity and put the Lord first why because there are preachers in this room that are being bred from sermons online there are people all across America if the shoe fits where in America that are putting their own purposes before the word of God so we can keep preaching that garbage we can keep telling people what they want to hear and the preachers online that have good intentions and a good heart well God knows my heart This is what God has called me to do. Yeah, God knows your heart. God knows your heart is nasty. God knows your heart is deceitful. He knows that it is perverted. And in the end, they're gonna get chopped down. And die. Jonathan Tahaji, be standing in the remnant and it will be me and my wife and your pastors only or will it be with the church that gets it that God is holy that God is righteous that I may never have the platform that I may be never able to speak on a Wednesday but what is your message to your family what is your message at work will you remain quiet how will the people be saved if they don't have a preacher plain, Jesus gives us a promise when he was speaking to Peter and the disciples in Matthew chapter 16 Jesus replied blessed are you Simon son of Jonah for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood but by my father in heaven I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it Jesus was standing in Caesarea Philippi I explained it. it. was It's like a cliff. It's like a mountain. And it's this huge rock. If you, if you have time to put it up, that's fine. If not, this, it's not a big deal. But it's this huge rock. There it is. This big rock, right? And in this region, everything that was done here, sacrificing of animals, of children, uh, it, just wild things, sexual immorality, this is where it was done. Red Light District in Philippi, this is it. And here in this tomb, was known as the gates of Hades. And as Jesus was speaking to his disciples, he used this illustration as he was talking to Peter. He says, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. And right under it, the gates of Hades will not stand against it. What he's saying is he's saying, I will always have a church that will be persecuted. I will always have a church that will be, be coming for in the end. The people will try to ravish you. The people will try to persecute you. And he's saying that I will build my church. I, Jesus, will build his church. Not me, not Pastor Omar, not Stephen Furtick, not your favorite preacher online, not fill in the blank. He says, I Will. That is a promise with intentionality, with design. I will. That is a promise that he will build his church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I have a design and a standard of what I want Christianity to be. I will build it and standing on that rock the gates of Hades will not overcome it Jesus is saying that I will always have a people that will belong to me They will be attacked. They will be destroyed, but the church will always stand So when I'm feeling cru- when I'm feeling pressed, I know that I'm not crushed When I'm feeling persecuted, I know that I'm not abandoned and when I'm feeling struck down I know that I'm not destroyed I will never understand this and I pray for grace and I pray that the Lord helps me and gives me patience for people including myself but I never understand how a people can be exposed to the gospel of the Lord how they can be one foot in the world and one foot in the church how they can deliberately choose to live for the world after receiving the knowledge of the truth I'll never understand it the world is doomed Jesus has already said it It has met its match. It has met its destiny. And we sitting here choose a world that is damned rather than stepping into his grace, stepping into his blood, and living with an everlasting father that gives peace, that gives grace, that sustains. He loves you, church. There's nothing left in the world for you there's nothing there but step into his grace step into his mercy and step in as a victor yeah. step into his promise that the church and those that stand for righteousness will always stand continues to go on after he says that the gates of Hades will not recover and he says I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven what do keys represent keys represent access I will give you access you have all that you need there is nothing outside. you have the Word of God you have the Holy Spirit you have friends you have pastors you have an anointed church that God has placed you in you have everything that you need I will give you access and then what does he go on to say Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Keys also represent what? Authority. You have authority on this earth. What are we walking around defeated for? Kicking rocks with our head down. You have victory in all that you do. You have victory in the world. Why do we kick rocks in our parenting, in our marriages, in our ministries? Some of you are afraid to even call yourself a preacher because what? You don't have a microphone. But you have a voice and you have God's word. Therefore, you are a preacher. Go and preach his word. Go and love the lost. Go expose them to God's holiness that he is loving, yes, but he is holy and that he is righteous. We have a preacher, a man of God. We have a prophet in Isaiah. And today I'm going to... This is tough. I'm absolutely heartbroken at what we see in the Church of America, and I'm absolutely heartbroken in some of the prophets that stand for God. So worried about the next word that they can give to a person. They're worried about the next word that God's going to give them for somebody else, but they neglect God's word that He also has already gave us. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Behold, I stand at the door and knock worried about what we can say for these current world events and every prophet that i look at in the old testament had pointed to the coming of a messiah the coming of a child but now today what are we preaching and what are we prophesying everything's going to be good i see something in the future for you everything's going to be great and we're neglecting the coming of a messiah that is coming back for his church so if you are a preacher if you are a prophet must show we must show understanding and submit ourselves to the word of god what is his message what is his holy and righteous message for a generation that is unclean for a generation that is broken who can i send who will go for us and i hear the lord speaking to some of you who can i send but the question is who will respond and say here I am Lord will you send me but will you send me with your purpose will you send me with your message not my own opinions not my own experiences not what I've seen in the world Lord will you use me as your vessel as your mouthpiece so what group do you want to be in today I ask you that question will you stand for the almighty God in a generation that mocks him, that puts down his name. And the preachers that stand in this place and they're joking more than they're preaching the word of God. My heart is broken because I seen a pastor years ago acting like he was stripping on stage. Oh, we gotta show him grace, we gotta show him mercy. We're all human. We'll be judged for those things and for the people that we lead astray. Because what people need to hear that they're unclean that they're broken that their hearts are nasty that you need to repent before a holy God You want to hear how good you are You want to hear great things about yourself? You want to manifest things into existence? Collect some stones so they can make you feel good You want to check your horoscopes is demonic? the study of the stars, demonic? What do you want to hear And I am a man of unclean lips because it's in that moment, it's in that moment that we throw ourselves and hurl ourselves at the service of God Almighty that we don't have to worry about what he thinks of us. That if we're humble and we say, Lord, I'm a, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. And it was in that moment that when he realized that I'm a broken person, that God sent angels to grab a coal from his altar and cleanse him. You want to be used by God, you must come to the end of yourself. You must realize that you are unclean, that you are broken. But a holy God can use you when you submit yourself for his glory. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we thank you for your goodness. to them in this moment Holy Spirit will you talk to your children will you knock on the door of their hearts there are some things Father I did not say but I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now and I pray and rebuke all religion all pride Father that will keep us from you in this moment and I ask you Father that you would touch your children that we will hurl ourselves at your service. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and for your grace. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Listen, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The Lord loves you. He sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross for you. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God is speaking to you. It is not your own mindset, it is not your feelings, it is not me. That is the voice of the Holy Spirit. If God is speaking to you and you want to commit your life and say, God, here I am, will you use me? I want to be born again, born again. I want to follow you. If that's you, will you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. I see one hand back there, I see another hand right here. I see a couple hands in the back, praise God. There's another hand right here, another hand right here. Amen. All across this place, the Lord is speaking to you. Will you already join these brave hearts that have said, They want to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. Is anybody else? Last call. I see another hand. Praise God. Anybody else? Thank you, ushers. I see another hand. Praise God. People being honest with themselves. You maybe said this prayer plenty of times, but in this moment, you say, I need to commit my life to the Lord. If that's you, raise your hand. You backslid from the Lord, and you want to come back to Him, recommit your life. If that's you, another hand. Come on, praise the Lord, God Almighty. Now listen, listen. If that was you, and you raise your hand, will you join me at this altar, church? Can we stand to our feet? Can we welcome those that raise their hand? Keep yourself accountable, ushers. If you've seen somebody raise their hand, will you lovingly guide them to this altar? We, man, praise God. Listen, man, I'm so excited to pray with you. If that was you that raised your hand, please join as close as you can to Ethan. Come, come close to me. As close as you can. Men and women of God being honest with themselves. Praise the Lord. It's not too late to join us if you want to join us. God is good. He is patient. He's slow to anger. He's still speaking to you. Man, praise God. Listen, we're going to say this prayer together. You're going to say it to God. You are not going to say it to me humble yourself throw it all at the feet of Jesus you may have said this plenty of times but today is a new day his mercies are new every day so say this prayer and say it to the Lord say Lord Jesus I give you my life I lay it down I accept you as my personal Lord and as my Savior will you cleanse me will you heal me of all my sin I am yours use me for your glory Use me for your gospel. I pray you would give me wisdom and understanding on what it is to follow you and to count the cost. And I thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, can we give God a hand for what he's doing in this place? Listen those of you guys, I want you to pray with them. I want you to get in their face and I want you to pray with them. I, if the Lord speaks to you, I want I want you to allow God to speak into their life. But pray with them. Let them know that they're not alone. God bless you, brother. Man, praise God. Okay, church. The Lord is speaking to people in this place. There have been some fires that were reignited. There have been some people that saying, well, I'm too old to do this. I wish this happened when I was younger. There are some youth in this place. Their hearts tonight have been burned by the coal of God's fire. If that is you, and you say, Lord, here I am, will you send me? Join me at this altar. Let's pray. Let's lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Let's commit our lives. Let's commit our mouths. Let's commit our hearts to God and hurl ourselves at his service for his glory and not our own. Come on, church. Come pray with us. Man, praise God. Hallelujah.